Welcome to Council 4 Unplugged, the podcast of Council 4 of the American Federation of State, County, and Municipal Employees. I'm Larry Dorman, proud to be part of a union that represents 30,000 hardworking women and men throughout Connecticut. And today we're going to talk about uh, something that seemed like it happened a long time ago, but it didn't, the November elections. What happened in Connecticut, how the elections played out, and how that will impact the policies that affect working families uh, going forward. And uh, with us today is my colleague, Zach Levy. He is uh, the legislative and political coordinator for Council 4. He and Brian Anderson do an amazing job fighting for our members' rights at the Capitol. And you, obviously, Zach, spent a lot of time uh, working on campaigns, volunteering your time. And why don't you talk a little bit about what happened in election 2018 in Connecticut and what you think it means going forward? Absolutely. And and I think, you know, the election in 2018 uh, was, one, a response to a uh, federal uh, policies that are really kind of crushing states like us, uh, hurting working people, hurting working families, like we saw with the Janus decision come down through the Supreme Court. And I think in 2018, we saw our members react to that which is kind of you can only push somebody so far and you, people can only take so much until they really stand up and fight back. And I think we saw that with the labor to labor walks on on Saturdays uh, with the AFL-CIO where our members uh, would show up in the rain and the cold and the heat. And a lot of those walks were very hot and go out and knock and talk with other union members about how important this race was um, because that was – the main thing that got it done for us this year. And I think that the win margin that Ned Lamont had, as well as uh, having the the vast majority of our candidates uh, that we endorse get reelected, uh, is a direct result of that and a direct response to our members getting out and doing the work on really showing that Connecticut values and Connecticut stands with working people and stands with union members and that we aren't the villains uh, that the corporate conservatives and CBIA and the Yankee Institute uh, make us out to be. And they spent hundreds of thousands of dollars, uh, just like they do every election, telling people that we are the ones to blame, that union members, that state employees, that municipal employees, that working families are causing the state's downfall. And uh, what we saw was the people didn't buy it. And and when our members got out there and, and talked, uh, they were able to lift each other up and, and really push a really good result that we saw on November 6th. So, Zach, can you break down some of those results, starting with the, the governor and other other officers, as well as the General Assembly? How did that play out? Oh, absolutely. I think the, the, the biggest one was uh, seeing Ned Lamont's uh, win, especially seeing it by the numbers uh, that, it wa- that, it, that it was, considering ne- uh, Dan Malloy won by about 2,000, and then the next year after that run by, you know, 20,000. Uh, that seeing Ned Lamont and, and Susan Beiswitz uh, as well as William Tong and Kevin Lembo, uh, Sean Wood and Denise Merrill get elected to the statewide offices, uh, that we have a certain amount of uh, protection there that we wouldn't have had with Bob Stefanowski. I mean, we all saw the comments he made uh, where he wanted to take away uh, union rights, that he thanked God for Janice, that he was clicking his heels about how easy it would be to take out the, the union members. And I think that the statewide offices um, were, were great, but the real meat and potatoes of what our work went into was the legislature and making sure that uh, the members that we had running, like Mike DeMassa, like uh, Joe Arasimowitz, coming back and being able to overcome uh, the pushback 
that they were part of the problem, that you, that, that they're union members, so they shouldn't be in office. But the guy who works for Eversource should be in the office, should be a, an elected official. And I think the response we've seen uh, is that hopefully we're going to see a much more worker-friendly agenda uh, pursued than we did last time. I mean, the 1818 Senate tie uh, allowed a corporate conservative majority. The, the margin of the House allowed a corporate conservative majority, and we saw what that resulted in. Now we have a new margin, and it's going to be up to us to make sure that uh, our new elected officials respond and, and, and remember uh, who put them there and how they got there and the work we did uh, and that we aren't the problem. So do you see the results in the fact that there are more um, progressive-minded, union-supporting legislators in both chambers of the House? Do you see that as a, as a reflection of, of, of kind of a pushback against the attack on, on workers' rights? You know, you mentioned the Janus case, which is a national case from the Supreme Court um, that was an effort to essentially defund and defang the labor movement. It's largely failing. It's going to fail here in Connecticut because we're fighting back and we're keeping our members engaged. But there has been this nationwide push, particularly in states. Many states have become laboratories in states like Wisconsin, Kansas, for uh, slashing destroying workers' rights, collective bargaining rights for public and private sector workers, for cutting human and social services, for giving tax breaks to people who don't need them. And things the economies are not working well in those states. So do you do you see what happened in Connecticut as hopefully a, a rejection of that kind of austerity model and that anti-worker model? Oh, completely. I think that, you know, we saw the challenges, even in our own state, uh, of the last legislative session, where... We had a hard time raising the minimum wage. We had a hard time uh, passing paid family medical leave. Uh, we had a hard time really doing anything that would help working families uh, and doing anything that would help working families join in a union where we couldn't even prohibit captive audience. Uh, but I think when you look nationwide and when you look at the other states at, at what they've done, we are really the entranceway into New England. And we're the stopgap for, for the rest of the region. And we showed that... Those policies, the policies like Scott Walker and Sam uh, Brownback did in Kansas or, or Mike Pence did in Indiana, that those policies uh, have really no place here, that, that the people uh, don't want it. Uh, they said that loud and clear by rejecting many anti-union legislators, by rejecting a very anti-union uh, gubernatorial candidate. And they showed that uh, those values that are displayed in other parts of the country really have no business uh, being in Connecticut, because we know that uh, the people, uh, working families, that union members, the ones that make Connecticut run, that make our state move forward, that uh, provide good education for our kids, uh, protect our, our families on the streets, protect our families on correctional facilities, you know, teach our children in paraeducation, and do really everything uh, in this state, and, and, and showing that Kansas and Michigan and those values aren't coming back, I think it's something that we should all be very proud of uh, and, and especially be proud of for, for the work that, that our members did and uh, what we represent as a state. It's interesting, as you mentioned before, the kind of the, the corporate conservative mindset that uh, in, in, has infused too much of, of Connecticut's politics in recent years. And part of the way it played out in the campaign trail, too, was uh, above and beyond the, the steady and constant assaults and attacks on, on workers and collective bargaining and, and the rights and freedoms of the people we represent. You know, it played out in this kind of dark vision of Connecticut being just a terrible place to, to 
live and work and recreate and um, and you know and I think I'd like to think too that that there was a rejection of that of that portrayal that that vision of Connecticut as a place that um, people are fleeing that you know the wealthy are leaving and everything is falling apart do you do you see that oh I, I completely I mean you look at at the way uh, CBIA the Connecticut business industry the way they lobby the way that they, they ran this campaign was by basically telling everyone that Connecticut was terrible and that businesses shouldn't come here, and that if a business comes here, it's just going to fall apart. And then they do that for about a year, two years, and then they look back, and they did that for a campaign and spend all this money, and then they go, look, no business is coming. It's like, well, yeah, you're supposed to be telling people why you should move to Connecticut, why their businesses would help us here, that we have the most educated workforce, that we have the most dedicated workforce, we have trades, that we have people willing to work, and that this kind of dark, doom and gloom view of Connecticut doesn't match up with, I think, what a lot of people live in their day-to-day lives. I mean, there's there's no denying that Connecticut has challenges, but it's certainly not on the cusp of falling apart the way that, you know, CBIA and the Yankee Institute and, and even CCM will sometimes uh, push out there that, you know, that the only solution uh, to get us off of this brink that they've convinced everyone is to attack union members and, and it's heartening to see people kind of disavow that that view of Connecticut and have some pride in our state and have some pride in ourselves. And just to uh, spell out some of that alphabet soup, um, CPIA is the Connecticut Business and Industry Association, you know, an admittedly powerful, um, wealthy organization that um, represents uh, big corporations, really, no yeah. one else. And CCM is the Connecticut Conference of municipalities. Can you, you share some anecdotes about conversations, uh, a conversation or two you had with rank and file union members about their um, views and their hopes for the election and, and why the election mattered to them, why oh, they yeah, volunteered, absolutely. why they voted the way they did? Absolutely. At the, uh, at the end, uh, you know, when, when it, we're all tired, we've all been knocking doors every weekend, we're all making phone calls during the weekday. Uh, there were a couple conversations. Uh, one happened in New London. Uh, where, where I'm from, which helped make me just feel better about where I live. Uh, and also one happened uh, in Groton, which is right across the river, where I knocked on the door of a member, and before I even got it out, he said, he said, you're here from the union? I said, well, I'm here from, you know, I'm here with the AFL-CIO. You're the union. You know, we just want to talk about the election. And he said, don't worry about me. I'm never going to give up my rights, and that's what Bob, Jan- that's what Bob Stefanowski wants to do. And I said, oh. Great. So you're going to vote for Ned Lamont? 100%. I said, how about, you know, the, the state rep candidate, Chris Soto? Absolutely. How about, you know, the state senate candidate, Martha Marks? Absolutely. I said, okay, great. Is there any other concerns? He says, said, these people got to realize we're not, you know, they, they've got to find somebody else. Just give us a break. Like, and that's all they want. It was just, they want the foot off their neck for like a day. You know, it's hard to, it's hard to wake up and go to work every day when you're being told that you're the problem that you have to give back more. And seeing that that guy was willing to take his vote and know what his vote meant, that this vote meant I get to breathe a little. I get to say, no, I'm not going to have to fight as hard. Because we are still going to have to fight. I mean, everything's a fight. But we're not going to have to fight as hard against Bob Stefanowski because if it's Ned Lamont I'm fighting with, it's a guy I'm not that I can at least talk to. I'm a guy mm-hmm. at the table with. And that, that anecdote at the end I thought was, oh, good, he... He's got it. Like he, he paid attention. He he read all of the stuff that we put out, um, and knew what he was going to use for his power. And the other one was just somebody who was his first time voting. Uh, he was nice. not a registered voter, nice. and uh, was very excited. Young guy, about my age, 
you know, young 30s, and just said, he was like, no, I'm not doing it. And he, you know, had a wife, young wife, much like myself. And uh, he knew what was at stake, that if he voted wrong way, it wasn't just his union rights that were going to get taken away. It wasn't just his... His, uh, his ability to have a collective bargaining contract, but it could have been his wife's rights. It could have been her ability to be paid equally to a man, her ability uh, to have to take the time off that she needs. And, and that kind of uh, response, especially at the end of an election when everything gets crazy, uh, really got me through like the last three weeks and, and really showed, I think, um, how educated and how important this election was uh, for a lot of people. It's a good story. And, and Zach, so let's try to spin it forward. Um, the state legislature convenes on the first week of January, the first Wednesday of January. Uh, Connecticut still faces um, a structural deficit, but um, where do you see uh, all of this headed um, and how, how will all of this play out? What kind of issues uh, will be confronting us and, and what is our agenda uh, to improve things for, for working families? Well, I think one of one of the main things where we're most in line with uh, the majority caucus is, is passing paid family medical leave, uh, which would be administered through our members at the Department of Labor, but would also uh, ma- massively help and impact uh, millions of people in the state and thousands of people in the state, and allow them to have uh, the ability to care for a loved one uh, without losing pay, which is a which is a benefit that we enjoy as as union members. Uh, but I think we all agree that everyone should have, that people should be able to take care of their families if they're sick. And, and I think that that is one uh, that we'll see pass very early. Um, but I think it's all going to come down to our members. Uh, it's going to come down to the budget because you've got that $2 billion deficit. And we need to make sure that the people uh, in the richest part of the state that make all their money uh, through investments, through hedge funds, uh, not through paychecks the way we make our money, uh, that they are taxed appropriately, that they are paying their fair share, that they are not allowed to use the carried interest loophole to basically defer paying their taxes year after year after year. Uh, and, and I think that that is going to be a, a, a big challenge, but a big push that we're going to push for uh, to bring some parity and a little middle class tax relief to our members, uh, especially in, in municipalities. Uh, municipal workers, we want to make sure they have fair funding. Um, you know, we, we can't see municipal cuts. It, that was one of the challenges we had with Bob Stefanowski when he said he was going to cut a billion dollars. Well, the only way to do that was to cut municipal aid. And that would have fallen directly on our, our municipal workers and our cops, our public works workers, our clericals, our supervisor workers, and that, our custodial staffs. And, and, and being able to prevent those kind of cuts from happening even further and being able to finally invest in our towns and cities and in our municipal workers and giving them the staffing that they need, I think, uh, between that, uh, getting FMLA administered, making sure that our budget reflects our values and brings some parity, as well as uh, ensuring funding for higher education, and really trying to staff our agencies, you know, in DCF and DDS and Department of Corrections, making sure that those guys and gals, uh, those brothers and sisters are able to go to work every day and, and not have to worry about being forced to work certain SIFs, uh, miss their family, uh, and really being able to have uh, that, that if you have a job and there's work for one job, they shouldn't have to do the work of four jobs. And that's basically what they've been forced to do. And I think uh, we're going to be pushing hard to reverse some of that this year. 
I'm Larry Dorman, and you've been listening to Council 4 Unplugged, the podcast of our AFSCME Council 4 Labor Union. And you can find us online and on all social media platforms using the keywords AFSCME Council 4. Thanks for listening, and remember, unions built the middle class.